Hey, we are, I am so excited that you are here today on this Vision Sunday. If you don't know, my name is Rick. If you are new or newer to our church, we really are glad that you're here. You showed up on Vision Sunday, and um, we are starting a brand new teaching series today called Made for This. I want you to think about this. You have come across somebody, you have seen them work, and you know, you're like, oh my gosh, you were made for this. I just had a conversation with a, uh, with somebody recently, and I was, you know, I've observed them for several years actually doing their job, and I'm like, man, I can't believe you're back there. We need you out here because you were made for this, and he was like, yeah, you know what? You're right, and there's, because you and I both, we know, we can affirm, we can see there's something different about somebody, the way they carry out their role when they are in a role, when they realize they were made for this. Now, if you pay attention to this graphic in this series, and if you have really good eyes, you can see at the very bottom that you're made for this, what? For living on mission. That you and I were made to live on mission. Here's, what, here's how we're saying it. God has planted a beautiful masterpiece in each of us. That, he, that there is a masterpiece inside of you and inside of me and God ha, ha, wants to grow that. And some of you are like, yeah, but Rick, you don't understand my life is so broken. It's in so many different pieces. Remember, we talked about this last week, right? Um, we talked about how God takes our, all of our broken pieces and puts them together in a beautiful masterpiece. He creates a beautiful masterpiece for us to point others back to him. Now, this, these are not just my flowery words to kind of like self-help you. This actually comes from the scripture. So I want you to see this. Take your Bibles. Go to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 10. Now don't park there because we're not going to be there very long. But uh, we're going to be in the Old Testament in a minute. But first, I want you to see how God calls you his masterpiece through the apostle Paul. Paul says this about us. He says, for we are God's masterpiece. I can just stop right there. There it is. It's right there. Paul calls us God's masterpiece. You know what a masterpiece is, right? It's a one of a kind, a unique. And some of you are thinking, Rick, you're unique. All right, right? Some of you struggle with feeling unique. You know, But you, what you need to go back and say, yes, but you are unique. Because you're a masterpiece. You, and all of our broken pieces that God puts together, there is no other you. South County, this, it's, this is true for you. Those of you in South County, you are a masterpiece. And as we, as we think about this, there's a call from God to be a masterpiece. But first, I want us to realize this, that there are actually two calls on every person's life. You know, on all seven point whatever billion people there are in the world, there, is, there are two calls on our life. The first call is to respond to Jesus as Messiah, to actually surrender your life to him. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus was talking to Mary. Mary and Martha after their brother had died. And he says, I am the resurrection in life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Or we could say, do you believe this, Rick? Rick? 
Do you believe this? And then you put your name in there because that's the first call. The first call is to respond, to believe that Jesus really is life, that, that he really is our savior and that we need a savior. If you haven't responded to that first call, that's your first next step. And in a few minutes, we're going to talk about next steps. And maybe that's a next step that you need to take. But I want us to go back to what Paul called us. He called us a masterpiece. And then he said he has created us anew in Christ. Again, that's after we have responded to the call that God is calling you to surrender to Jesus. Why? As he calls you to surrender to him, why does he do this? So that we can do the good things that he planned for us a long time ago. You see, you are a masterpiece inside of you. God has planted a, a masterpiece for you to grow into and to be useful in the kingdom of God. And he has planned good things. Here's how we say it around here. Because this is the vision of our church. You're on Vision Sunday, right? A couple of times a year, we, we make very clear what our vision is. Our vision is to radically change the spiritual climate of Rhode Island. One person, one community at a time. South County, that's why you're down there. Because we want to show up in as many communities as we can. Whether it's a micro site like you or at the appropriate time when we're able to actually launch a full site in another location. We want to continue to do that in our state and be one church in multiple locations. Why? Because it's a part of the DNA of Rhode Island. Everybody wants to stay in their little community community, right? Some of you who drive 20 minutes to get here, you know, your neighbors are thinking, I would never drive 20 minutes to go to church. What are you talking about, right? You know, my neighbors like that. Karen, she will never come here. She told me that. So what do we have to do in order to, re yeah, you're like, yeah, she'll never come here because she's your neighbor, right? She knows it. No, that's not why. She told me specifically because she doesn't drive 20 minutes anywhere, right? That's why she's, she's a native Rhode Islander. So um, we'll never be able to reach her Unless, unless in a church setting, unless we're able to replicate, multiply ourselves. That's our vision here, is to multiply and replicate ourselves. One person, though, we can't miss that. It's all about the one person, one person at a time. How, do, how is this going to happen? You see, we are going to know that the, that the climate is changing when you walk into work and you are just like, you won't believe what I heard from God this morning. Here's what he shared with me. Here's what he told me. When, when you walk into your school or your college or university, right, and you're talking about how God is at work in your life, when you're talking about what God is doing, or when when people are coming to you and saying, hey, will you pray for me because, and then they launch into it, and you're like, absolutely, I'm going to pray right now, and you start praying for them. That's how we're going to know that the spiritual climate of Rhode Island is changing, but it's going to call us to live on mission, and that's why, here's how we put our mission. In order for that to happen, we all have to live on mission. Here's our mission at Hope Church, calling first all people 
to love God. And when we say all people, we mean all people. Anybody who is breathing, they're a people, right? And so we are going to call them to love God. That's the call to surrender to that first call in a person's life. The call of recognizing that Jesus is Messiah, that they need a Savior. And we are want to do that. We want to live that out. No matter their background, no matter how deep they are in whatever, or no matter how perfect and rich they are, it doesn't matter. We're calling all people, no matter what they believe politically, no matter what they think is politically correct and what's not, we're calling all people to love God. And then it's about calling them and you and I to follow Jesus, to actually become apprentice to actually follow Jesus with our very lives and the way that we live and and to live like Jesus lived. That's why we think the Word of God is so important and that we need to engage the Word of God on a daily basis. We need to engage this because this tells us how Jesus lived His life and this is how you and I are called to live our life and then we're called to serve others. This is why a few months ago or a month ago, that we serve the city of Cranston through cleaning the bike path. And, you know, and the other things, the other projects that we had did, this is why we continue to do that. And this is why we served down in Wakefield like a year ago and showed up in Wakefield and and served down in South County. Um, This is why, because God calls us to call all people to love God. He calls us to follow them in discipleship, to follow Jesus, to become apprentice. And then he calls us to serve others. So God has planted a beautiful masterpiece in each of us. And in order for it to grow into something that is useful, we have to respond. And this is where we're going to camp out the rest rest of our time together. We have to respond with, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And in order to do this, go to the Old Testament. It's 1 Samuel chapter 3. So flip all the way back into into the Old Testament. 1 Samuel uh, chapter 3. As you go back there, we're going to talk about Samuel and and we're going to engage him why he's a preteen, why he's young. And to bring you up to where he is, he was an answer to to a mama's prayer. A mama, uh, she wasn't a mom. She was begging God for a son, for a baby. And then she said, God, if you would just give me a a son, I will dedicate him back to you. Now, I think it's important to remember that um, his mom, Hannah, um, as she, she, she and her husband Elkanah, they traveled uh, to, to Shiloh, a city called Shiloh in, in Israel. It, at one time, at, at this time actually, it was actually the capital of Israel. So Shiloh, why? It was where the tabernacle was. The temple hadn't been built yet. And so now, but they had a tabernacle. And in the city of, of Shiloh, they would come to bring their offerings. And this is what would happen. Hannah would be in the tabernacle. And there, um, when their family was offering their offerings, she was deep in prayer. And there was a priest there. His name was Eli. Eli comes upon her and he thinks something's up with her. Like, you know, is she drunk or something? And he engages her and come to find out, no, she is just doing what we call petitioning God. She is pleading with God and she is pleading with God for a child. But God, if you would give me that child, I'll give him right back to you for service in the tabernacle. And... 
the priest said to her, may it be as you have prayed. And sure enough, in time, she has a son and his name Samuel. And she and at the appropriate time, she brings him back to the tabernacle for Eli. And then he would be raised at, um, underneath Eli's, the priest's guidance. This is where we pick up the story in chapter 3, verse number 1. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now, in those uh, days, messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly, the Lord, Yahweh, Adonai, he calls out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel uh, replied, what is it? He got up, he ran to Eli, he said, here I am, did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. And then the Lord called out again, Samuel. And again, Samuel got up, went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son. Go back to bed. And he does that. Samuel didn't, uh, did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. Sometimes God is knocking at your door and we don't understand it's God. Are you opening are you open to hearing from God? So the Lord called out a third time. And once more, Samuel got up and he went uh, to Eli and he said, here I am. Did you call me? And then Eli realized, finally, it dawns on the priest, the guy who's supposed to be leading everybody towards God. Oh, my gosh, this is God who's calling you. Even Eli didn't recognize it. Sometimes we just miss the call of God. That's why we have to listen. That's why we have to be listening with a posture of ready to respond. Now, here's what I love. I fell deeper into love with this story when I was in Israel. You know why? Because we went to Shiloh. Here I am. I'm in Shiloh. I'm there. Um, I, this picture is actually a new uh, excavation that they have just started in 2017 where they actually discovered the actual place where this story ta is taking place where and so as our teacher is, is is opening to the scriptures is teaching around this story he is we are standing around and we are imagining right oh my gosh was Eli sleeping over there is this where is this where Samuel was uh, you know we're just thinking you know all this through it was such an amazing time and I'll share a little more in just a second let's continue with the text and he said to Samuel Go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. And the Lord came. And he called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. And that's the second call that God is calling out to all of us. And what our Bible teacher there at Shiloh, among these ruins, he would share with us this Hebrew word, henene, which has this powerful impact. It comes with a lot of power, a lot of punch, because it's, it's not just here I am, um, I'm listening. Um, it is a readiness to obey, to take action. And as we were standing there among the ruins, we um, were thinking about Samuel 
And then we would ask ourselves, and I'm asking you to ask yourself this question. Do you respond when you hear the voice of God with a, not just, oh, I heard you, but a readiness to act, a readiness to obey to what God is calling you. And he's calling us to live on mission. Now, as we were there, every Every excavation site, um, every dig has what they call a pottery graveyard. And the reason they have this, uh, well, it was because they discovered it, right? And as they dig down through the different layers, they date what they find by the pottery because the pottery was made differently in each of the centuries. And so they're able to date these sites accordingly. And over in the corner, um, over in this pile, he's, um, he pointed out, our teacher pointed out all these, I mean, just a, a pile of broken pieces of pottery. And he says, guys, go grab one. And we are all like, hold on, what? We can like take this? This, this piece of pottery is like thousands. It's over 5,000 years old. It's thousands of years old. We can just like walk away. He's like, shh, don't tell anybody. You know, he's an archaeologist, right? He just grab, grab, grab a few pieces. And we would grab these pieces. And I, I grabbed two. And he, um, he would come by later and he would write in Hebrew. I know, you can't, I can't, I know you can't read it, but you can't see it either. But on this piece of pottery, it says Hen and I. And I have been keeping it near my bed so that every morning when I wake up, that I would see it. And it would be a reminder for me to be listening. And then... Not just to listen to the call of God, but to be ready to obey whatever he's calling me to do. And actually this morning, as I drove here, I put this in my cup holder. And I thought, you know what? That's why I have two pieces. Because I, needed to, I need to be reminded as I'm driving my car, listen for the, for the call of God and be ready to obey. So now I'm going to have one by uh, my bed and I'm going to have one in my car that will remind me to respond, to be listening, and then to respond with a readiness to obey. Here's what I'm asking you to do with that clay pot that you got. I actually, what I want to do, I told our staff, I said, hey, this is what I'm doing. And they're like, hold it, what? You're going to give out broken pieces of pottery to people? I'm like, yeah. They're like, they're going to use it as, you know, something and shim somebody. I'm like, no, they're not. So... I lost that battle. Everybody has a clay pot, okay? So you got a clay pot. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Take a screenshot of, this, uh, of the screen because I want you to go back and write the word on there. It, whether you write it out in, you know, the English so that you, you know, or if you can, if you have the artistry to do that, then man, you go for it. But remember this, it, that it's speak, your servant is listening, and the idea is that you are ready to listen, that you are ready to obey whatever it is that God is calling you uh, to do. Now, some of you guys are like, dude, I'm, I don't have flower pots, I'm a man. Okay, when you get home, take your hammer and smash it into pieces, <laughs> and then you'll get your piece like I have, right? So I'm just saying, all right, that's what you can do. Now, some of you are sitting there thinking, why would I do that? I'm not a prophet, and I'm not a pastor like you. 
And I would say you may not vocationally be, you may not do this for a vocation, but you are a priest. See, the Apostle Peter will tell us that you are actually a priest. Okay, so you're not a prophet. Maybe you're not vocationally a pastor, but you are a priest. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9. Peter makes this so clear for us, and it's where we get the doctrine of the priesthood of believers, that we all are priests, that we all are on the same playing field. It's level ground with me and you and a prophet um, as the New Testament body of Christ, we are all on the same playing field. Here's the way that uh, Peter put it. He says, you are not like that for you are a chosen people talking to all, 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 every person who has responded to the first call. So this is for every Christ follower, every person who's responded to the first call to surrender their life to Jesus as Messiah. He says, you are a royal priest. See, there you go. The apostle Peter calls you a priest, every one of us. And he says, you're a holy nation, God's very own possession. And why? So that you can show others the goodness of God. This comes back to our mission. That you and I have been called out of the darkness and into this wonderful light. And what you and I are to do is to live on mission. We're called to to show that goodness to others. Again, it comes back to us living like this. Calling all people to love God uh, and to follow Jesus and to serve others. So I've got this story that I want you to lean in because it's not from one of our staff pastors. It's from ordinary people just like you. It's from the Bakers, um, Don and Mary Baker, who are part of our church family, and Ray and Heidi Warner, who are part of our church family. They were out to eat. Guess where? Texas Roadhouse. Can you believe that? Yeah. So they're at, but they're at the wrong one. They were at the one in Warwick, not the one in Cranston. So, but that's okay. They were still at Texas Roadhouse. And when they were there, Mary notices a woman in a booth who is emotionally upset. Heidi goes over to her purse and she's, you know, looking through her purse and she finds one of our You Matter cards. And Heidi, what Heidi will do is um, Heidi will go sit in the booth next to her and say, you know, across from her and say, hey, what's going on? And the lady's sharing what is going on. And Heidi would say, well, can I just pray for you? She starts praying for the lady and another customer, another customer shows up and, and, and is like, what's going on here? And then she's like, starts sharing her hurt and her loss. And Heidi says, can I just pray for you? you both then and she grabs their hands as you can see in the picture and she just starts praying in the middle of Texas Roadhouse asking God to be at work in their lives asking God for him to show up to be the God of all comfort that he would guide and that he would lead them and when they were done she would take the you matter cards that she grabbed out of her purse and she would give to each one of these women and she said or just this is just a reminder that you really do matter to God and that you matter uh, to our church and you matter to me. See, that's living on mission. And, it went, and that's how we're going to see the spiritual climate of Rhode Island change one person at a time is when we all collectively, when all of us in South County are living like that, when all of us here in the Cranston location are living like that, and when all of us who are watching online, when we live like that, when we show up in our school spaces, our college spaces, 
our workspaces and this is what's happening, that's when we're going to see the, the climate of Rhode Island change. And when we say we're calling all people to love God. We don't want to leave anyone out. We want to create a hub here in our Cranston location where those families with special needs can come. And it, well, I know you're, I, we've been talking about building the build out, the little bump out out there, expanding our lobby underneath the portico and putting an elevator out there. Folks, church family, we are like this close to that. We're this close for that actually becoming a reality. About 1,300 square feet on, of, of new lobby space out there where we can put the elevator, attach that whole thing to our existing building that can take it up to the second floor so that every person can have access to the children's ministry, to the student ministry, to our discipleship classes that happen on the second floor. You know, we are, you've got, I'm asking you to pray with us because we are this close. We are just this close to making that happen. The elders have st stepped out by faith. We met with the contractors. They are still at their drawing board, but Pete Worthington, who has spent so much time with him and his team of making all this stuff come together, um, it, he uh, had a phone call with the contractor, and the contractor is confident that they can do it uh, within our budget. Uh, we're still $500,000 short, but we are staying. We are moving forward. We're going to trust God that by the end when the project is done we're going to have the rest of the $500,000 to do that and as long as the city of Cranston um, you know will uh, you know give us the permitting uh, to do this it looks like that we may be able to have the shovel in the ground come August so we are like this close church to making that happen now it's not just about adding on to the building it's about being able to serve families like the Rivera family. Right now, their kids can't get up to the second floor. Can't get, and so we've had to switch classrooms around so, to, so that we can still do that. But in eight months, they say this is about an eight-month project, but in eight months, families like the Rivera family will be able to make it to that second floor because we'll have an elevator, because of God's faithfulness, and because you have been faithful to pray and to ask God to continue to provide. So thank you for being that kind of church family. And as we have been, uh, you know, one thing that we pray is we are praying, God, keep us aware of what you are doing. And here's Here's what we, we feel like that God is stirring among families with special needs. People or, you know, or single people with special needs. And he keeps on opening up doors. So you know what we're doing? We're listening and then we're trying to go through them. And I want to introduce you to Rodney. Rodney, most of you probably don't know Rodney, um, but if you showed up here during the week when he happens to come, Rodney comes during the week. We consider him a part of our staff, and he shows up during the week. 
smiling every time he smiles. In fact, Justin said, you can't go by him without smiling because he's just always smiling, but he loves to vacuum. So a lot of times he'll run the vacuum and he'll clean and he'll vacuum. Uh, uh, Steve Van Horn has all these little projects, but Steve says that his favorite thing to do, moms, um, those little uh, gift bags that you got on Mother's Day, Rodney put every one of those together and he loves to do things like that. So we want to be a place that helps uh, people with special needs to be able to do what they were made for. And this is something that he gets so much fulfillment and joy out of. And so Rodney, um, we want to continue to be a church like that. And today we have a special guest with us, um, Doug and Liz Babbitt, who, um, who work with a larger global organization, Johnny and Friends, but their focus is on New England. And so I've asked them to come and share with us this morning about the need in New England and then how are they seeing churches respond to that need. So Liz, Thank Doug? you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, Pastor Rick. To Justin to Steve, for our friends here, for the Rivera family, for coming to Family Retreat and sharing your family with us. I'm Liz Babbitt from Johnny and Friends. I'm the Ministry Relations Manager, and I love my job because we get to introduce people to Jesus. People of all abilities can come and be welcomed and included. And our ministry is global. Like Pastor Rick said, we collect wheelchairs for people and developing countries. We have courses online for suffering. We have family retreats. We have three, actually, we have four this summer. We have two retreats starting in June, and then Doug and I go to Thailand to do a retreat for missionary families who are uh, serving in Southeast Asia who have families with disability. And then we come back and do two more weeks of family retreat. And so the whole summer will include probably about 75 families in New England, being served people with disabilities in a family retreat in a summer camp. And we get to do this. And we're so excited to be with you today because we get to be coming alongside you as you decide to respond. And so let's just look a little bit about what's going on in your community related to disability. We have nearly 1 billion people around the world living with disabilities right now. These are new figures from the Center for Disease Control. That translates for this community as one in every four households in your community is affected by disability. This is considered one of the largest unreached people groups in the world. And you guys have a chance to respond to change that, that these folks will no longer be unreached, that they will be reached by your church. And what we need to do is really come around them with our response and with Christ-like love because the bottom point here, many individuals and families living with disability suffer from loneliness, isolation, poverty, pain, and despair. In the governor's report for Rhode Island about disabilities, we see that of the households affected by disability, 52% are also suffering from depression because of their isolation and loneliness. Um, In Rhode Island, it's 222,000 plus individuals affected by disabilities, so. Johnny and Friends is a missions organization, and it's very much about introducing people to Jesus Christ and and to really welcoming them and including them in all places. So when you say that you're going to reach all people for Jesus, 
thrilled mm -hmm. to be here to be able to say, you go. Yeah. And, help, and let us be part of the journey with you because that's what I do is equipping churches and, and really welcoming people to let them know that it's okay to have a vision and not really know how to do it. It's okay to ask for help because you will experience such great joy. This is our founder, Johnny Erickson Tata. She took a diving accident in 1967, became a quadriplegic at the age of 17. She's 73 years old, lives in California where the Johnny and Friends headquarters is located, and she's been in her wheelchair for 55 years. And it started, Johnny and Friends started by a group of friends around a kitchen table answering letters from people with disability who were looking for hope and, and help in hardship. And so just like Johnny and Friends, every church has a different story. Every church has a, has a vision. Every church leans in to listen to the Holy Spirit to say, God, what would you have us to do to respond to people in our own community who need you and who some of them don't go to church because they feel rejected already? It may take them over a year to start looking at websites. Do you think that church, do you think we could go there? I'm not sure. It might take them a year of watching you online to come and be part of your church family. And when they come, if they feel rejected, that's your one shot for a lot of families. Because they don't, they're used to rejection. They're used to that. And so what we try to do is envision a world where every person with a disability finds their hope, dignity, and their place in the body of Christ. They are considered weak. They are considered vulnerable. They just seem to be. Scripture says they seem to be. But if you have people with disability in your church, you are truly blessed yes. and gifted because the body of Christ is whole. Amen. I brought a video with me from Johnny and Friends. It's called Disability in the Church. I just want to give you an idea of what that can look like and what it does look like in some churches around the country. Our experience with other churches before Calvary is we always were either being called out because they couldn't help Josiah in a certain way or the material there wasn't fit for our kids at the time for their age. The feeling was that he may lack the understanding of what the lesson was going to be. It was a dismissive attitude where we'll just put him in a corner, let him color and play. And as a parent, you kind of felt a little bit frustrated, a little bit angry that you're in this place by yourself and people don't really understand you. I've had Luke with me at my other church. There would be times the kids just would either laugh at Luke or make comments about how he doesn't talk and he only screams. And so that was difficult. My favorite thing about the special abilities ministry is the sense of welcome. I have seen a drastic change in the way that Calvary really envisions and sees families and people and children affected by special abilities. It's gotten into the water system here. It's who we are, it's what we do. When we found Calvary, it was just a place where everyone is uniquely loved in their own special way. Everyone is so involved and so engaged and so loving to our children where there is zero concern about how your kids are gonna be. It's just, you know they're loved and they're taken care of. 
Luke is able to attend during the worship service, and if he is disoriented or dysregulated, he has a nice dark, quiet room where he can be comforted and be able to then go back into the activities. By the end of our church experience, before Pear Orchard, it really had gotten to the point where we just really felt like a burden. Pear Orchard has totally changed our family, and they've always been so encouraging and just so intentional with our family. So having a disability ministry here at our church has had significant impact on many, many different things. Our congregation now see it as normal to be around those with special needs rather than unusual. We have several of our young men with special needs who serve as ushers with a buddy during Sunday morning worship. We have both a special needs Sunday school class on Wednesday evenings and on Sunday mornings. Charlie loves to come here. He knows he's welcome, he's loved, he's happy. Even kids that are in our self-contained program, we integrate in for worship every Sunday. That's part of getting into the water because these younger kids now have been exposed to kids with special abilities from such a young age that when kids make noises or kids are yelling or jumping around, younger kids are now used to it and they're excited to have these kids as a part of their community. I deal with autism. For me, people don't like really see that. If Calvary didn't have a special abilities ministry, I feel like kids with special needs wouldn't be able to find a way through Christianity. Joshua will always call Pear Orchard his church. He feel included. He look forward to coming to church. I pray out the bulletins and I do the Christmas and handshakes. I love this church. It really does break my heart when I know that families have driven an hour to get to church here or an hour to come to our respite program and driven by a thousand churches on their way from their home to our church. That's not the vision and the mission. It should be that every church has a place for every child, for every family. In many respects, this is not unique. This is just the body doing what the body ought to be doing. It will dynamically change and improve the life of your own congregation. Get to know the community. Get to know what challenges families face. Just start. There's a family that needs you, and I can promise you that there are people in your church body that feel passionately, that have skills. At this church, they are seen, and they're loved, and they are so important, they're vital. And to be a part of that, it has been a life-changing experience for our family. So those churches really responded in a couple ways. Intentional relationship building and by showing genuine hospitality, which is defined in two ways. Taking a genuine interest in people and putting others' needs before your own. That was their response. You don't have to be an expert in disability to be a welcomer, to be friendly, to show a good neighbor, to be a good neighbor, to be loving, and to welcome people for who they are as they are. And that's where you start, you take steps. So I'm gonna tell you a quick story about a church in Gorham, Maine, because I, I wanted to just give you an idea of what's happened in the last year in this church. They've always been on fire for people with disability. This is Pastor Travis Bush with his brother Andy, his older brother Andy, and his mom Gloria. 
Uh, Andy had an accident when he was two years old, fell in a ditch that was partially filled with water and was without oxygen for some time, causing a disability for the rest of his life that includes physical and cognitive. They come to family retreat. And Travis often talks about his brother from a sibling perspective. And that, by the way, is considered glass children because they can be easily seen through and they're not as strong as they seem to be. And so the whole family is affected by disability. Well, the first year that Travis came to our family retreat, um, he brought a team of six guys because he said, hey, let's go hang out. I want to get to know you better. Last year when they came, they had 14. That team of six went home and talked about how great it was. Boots on the ground, they learned a lot, they gained some experience and confidence, and they realized the love that's needed by families affected by disability who are often shunned and unseen in their own communities. And so they welcomed more people into their church. They started to do some equipping. Doug and I went up and did training. Doug is a professional speech-language pathologist specializing in autism. And so we went up, and by the way, he calls himself a voluntold. Um, so we went up and we've done training and we've, we've worked with them. And so they got their website uh, revised recently, and they, they call themselves now Project 1413, after Luke 1413. And it's really about come one, come all. Just as you guys are saying, you matter. You matter to God and you matter to us. And we want to be a church that welcomes and includes everybody. And look, there's a friendly face, someone that you may recognize. Yep. This is also on their website because they're saying, how can we serve you? They want to be that place where people feel they can come and belong. They want to be able to serve them, whether it's through a one-on-one -on -one buddy or whether it's respite for parents or whether they send them to family retreat or whether they do something in their community. They're looking for ways, they're building relationships, they're looking for ways to serve people of all abilities. Mm. Every church is called to make disciples of people with disabilities. Luke 14, 13 says, but whenever you give a banquet, invite people who are poor, who have disabilities, who are limping, and people who are blind. And at the end of that chapter, it says, and you will be blessed. Mm. It doesn't say how. But we know from our own experience in our own little church north of here, we are blessed because we get to do life with lots of different people yeah. and we get to love them. So I'm here to say, get ready, Hope Church. That's right. Get ready. It's a word of mouth ministry. People come here to feel loved. When they feel it, they come back. Yeah. But I'm also going to say, roll up your sleeves and get ready because... It can be messy, yeah. but it's messy when we deal with real problems and we walk with people in love, isn't it? Yeah. Just like the two friends that took their friend through the roof to meet Jesus, that's what we can be doing. We can be about God's business and we can say, come on, let's do this. So I hope you are ready. And if you're here and you want to respond to disability ministry, it's simply making everything accessible mostly the Lord Jesus Christ. That's right. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Liz. Thank you so much, guys. 
So, um, hey, let's wrap up with our next steps, okay? Um, uh, first, in the part, I need everybody to take your connection card. So the connection card's in the chair in front of you. South County, it should just be on that chair, or Pete or uh, Scott gave you one as you came in. So grab that connection card. And the first thing that I want you to do is if you are uh, interested in helping us to continue to grow and develop the special needs ministry, just write your name and your contact information on that connection card. And then where it says prayer requests, just say right there, just say special needs ministry. And uh, Steve Van Horn and our team will be in touch with you to let you know. Now, there are two next steps this morning. The first next step says this. I desire to live on mission. I will put the, the mini flower pot in a prominent place to remind me that God has planted his good work in me, that you are actually a masterpiece. And he wants to grow that masterpiece, that, but you need to live it out. And daily, I will respond with hen and a. I'm, I'm, I'm listening and I'm going to obey. Will you do that? I hope that you will. Just We want to pray for you. So just circle step number one on the connection card. And, uh, and make sure your name is on there. And this week, our team will be gathering to pray for you in that way. And then maybe there are some of you, though, that have never responded to the first call. The first call is a, is a call to surrender, to acknowledge that Jesus is Messiah. And if you haven't done that, then... Um, what you need to do is say, I want to respond to the call of salvation on my life. I acknowledge my need for a Savior. Pray for me. That's step number two. Put your name on there. And this week, our team will be praying for you. And I hope that you'll do that.